You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Coming to you from Podcast Land Studio, it's This and That with David and Brenda. Today is May 10th, 2020. Mother's Day. Yes. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. Like I said, you are listening to This and That with David and Brenda. So that means you are listening to the voices of myself, Brenda, otherwise known as Miss Brenbren. And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. This is our 49th episode of our eclectic podcast where we talk about everything that's anything we not only say happy mother's day to all the moms and mom figures out there but greetings to this and that nation and all who are listening to us near and far we give shout outs to all of those who are listening to us here in the united states as well as abroad. So, let's give some shout-outs to listeners of This and That here in the United States. And that includes those in Buffalo, New York. Kissimmee, Florida. Salem, West Virginia. Loveland, Ohio. And when we talk about our international listeners, thank you to all who keep coming back to hear what we have to say, including... Those in Dublin, Ireland, Madrid, Spain, Frankfurt, Germany, and Geneva, Switzerland. We also want to give a shout out to the military men, women, and canines who continue to provide support to us here in the U.S. as well as internationally. So thank you for your service. And we also want to say thank you to your dependents. And those who are co-located with you, providing um, civilian support. Also, we want to thank all first responders, police, fire, 911, all of the frontline workers, essential workers, healthcare workers, and so forth in this age of the coronavirus, COVID-19. That includes, in addition to all the healthcare workers, Doctors, nurses, uh, EMTs, ER techs, etc. All of the teachers, grocery store employees, various truck drivers, warehouse workers, and so on. There are tons of essential workers out there. We thank all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you to all of those who are frontline and unsung heroes during this time of COVID-19. Now, David, like we like to tell folks, our podcast is free, right? Yes, it's free. It's always been free, and it will continue to be free. That means where can folks find our free podcast? As I like to say, the podcast is available wherever folks listen to podcasts. So that's multiple on-demand locations such as our home base of SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, and on and on and on. It's also available on all Alexa voice-assisted devices. And when we say free, we mean it's available 24-7 wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, I think that's what on-demand means. Well, just want to make it clear. Free that, doesn't mean on-demand. Well, it does in this case. <laughs> yes, people. See, but he has to put up with. Anything else you want to say? No, uh, no, no. I, I'm not, not with respect to on-demand. I, I will say that if folks want to drop us a line, they can send uh, us email. And we'd love to hear from our listeners. So do send us an email. 
Where would they send it? They would send it to the email address thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, as in Nancy, that, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And we also have an email distribution list, also known as our eblast. And folks, when they send us uh, email, they can also sign up for that uh, distribution list. Just uh, drop us a line in either just the subject or in the body, and we'll add you to that. And uh, you'll be notified as to when new podcasts are available, um, see what those podcasts are about. There's extra information that sometimes does, sometimes doesn't make it into the podcast. And we also go into little tidbits, thoughts you should know, so on and so forth. So speaking of thought you should know, uh, what is our thought you should know for this episode? One of those thought you should know tidbits is about household pets and COVID-19. Can they get it? Evidence shows, more and more scientific evidence shows that the answer is yes, especially cats. And in fact, um, felines, whether they are your garden variety domestic cat uh, or your, you know, wild tomcat, feral cats, uh, big cats like tigers, etc., they seem to be very susceptible to catching COVID-19 from humans. There have been uh, on three continents now reports of zoo animals, big cats getting it, as well as um, small domestic animals, including here in the United States. Okay, so I have to ask, does that mean that because domestic pets can get COVID-19, I can get a tiger? Since no tiger, <laughs> you are really sad. <laughs> you are really sad. No, you're not getting the tiger. No, I I don't and I think they changed the laws. Thankfully, in in the state here where you couldn't get it. I mean, for a time there was a bizarre way where could have had a tiger in the backyard. Well, no, not anymore. Thank goodness. Just thought I'd ask. <laughs> oh my goodness. <sighs> Just completely ruined my train of thought on that. Um, oh, cats are more susceptible. Dogs seem to get it, but the only dogs that seem to have gotten it are what I would call, you know, um, pocket dogs. Foo-foo oh, dogs, yeah, apartment dogs. I was going to say some like French, call them foo-foo dogs. Foo-foo dogs, you know, apartment dogs, like French bulldogs, things like that. Dogs that are really snuggling up to people a lot. They, those are the, the type of dogs that have, have gotten... Uh, COVID-19, and I don't think that's coincidental. You haven't seen anything like a, you know, Labrador Retriever or a German Shepherd get it. And of course, now cats are cats, and because cats are cats, even in the zoos, people snuggle up against cats, that type of thing. So is this another case of people should wear their mask? In their house? Mm -hmm. Well, some people need to wear their mask in their house so they don't snack too much. Keep hearing about people complaining to you and me about, oh, I'm locked down and we're snacking too much. Well, and you know, the COVID my advice is wear your mask. The COVID-19 15 is, is real. So you know how you get your friends. Yeah, I, I know what you mean by that, yes. Yeah, well, it's real. Uh, for some people, I guess so. I guess so. My answer to them all is wear your mask in your house. That will help reduce the snacking. Just saying. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> okay. Anything else about um, pets and their getting uh, COVID-19? No. Uh, as I said, it doesn't seem to work the other way. It doesn't, there's no evidence that people catch it from, from you know, dogs or cats. Oh, what, what are the symptoms? Oh, um, the symptoms for... for uh, the pets is 100% respiratory, so um, trouble breathing. Um, so also um, they are lethargic, uh, loss of appetite, and those seem to be the big three. Okay. The most part so pets. for those who have uh, pets, please keep an eye out on them because they too can be susceptible 
to COVID-19, just like humans are. So keep an eye out. Right. So if you, you know, heaven forbid, end up testing positive and you have a, a pet, try and get the pet tested because they, they may, depending what you do, how close you are to the animal, they may catch it from you. And you may have to quarantine them. So keep that in mind as well. If you should find that you are, that you have COVID-19 and you may, like I said, need to quarantine your pets to keep them safe. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's really weird. And I'll say this and it'll be done. Because there's a case of um, a woman who's a healthcare, she and her husband are both um, healthcare workers and in New York City, and they both came down with COVID-19, and they had two daughters and a son. The middle daughter and the young, youngest, the son is the youngest, they got it. The older daughter did not catch it, and they had um, a cat and two French bulldogs, and in their case, the cat um, got it, and one of the French bulldogs did, but the other one did not. So, I mean, it's all over the map. No, <laughs> the you, you just never know, so everybody just needs to be careful, and that means your pets, too. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're, we're still talking COVID-19, but this is not going to be a dedicated episode to COVID-19. Oh, really? <laughs> I know you're disappointed. You know the mantra, testing, testing, testing. So we're going to be talking about testing and um, what, what that means in relation to COVID-19. Uh, we'll also be talking about the um, Ahmad Arbery incident uh, that happened back in Georgia back in February, but uh, was back out in the news this week. And if you don't know what we're talking about, just stay tuned for that. And uh, that's our show. Well, I think that is enough for episode number 49. So um, let's just get going with edition 49 of This and That with David and Brenda. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Doug E. Fresh coming at you with a message. face mask on. Don't take it off cause Corona's strong. And wash your hands for 20 seconds long. Six feet deep, six feet deep, six feet social distance is on. On, on, on. Listen to that with David and Brenda podcast, season two, episode 49, our obligatory COVID-19 coronavirus update. And also, as mentioned in the intro, we'll be getting into testing, testing, testing. But first, the update. And uh, once again, because the United States is just so anomalous compared to other countries with respect to cases, deaths, etc. When, when you look at the charts, and again, I don't deal with models, I deal with the, the real data. So looking five-day moving average, logarithmic scale, the U.S. is still just ridiculously so different from every other country. And we touched on a little bit in episode 48 why I think that is, and other people who bother to ask the question why, which are, you can count on one hand. So listen to episode 48 for those reasons. I'm not going to plow back on that ground. Some of the things I think are the reasons why we're just so different. But anyway, the United States is still number one. And as of today, Mother's Day in the United States, May 10th, 2020, this evening, confirmed cases, 1,321,223. And we're still about one-third, one-third of all confirmed cases globally, which is just crazy, given two months ago we had, you can count on your fingers and toes how many cases were here. New York City is still number one, although 
they clearly now have gone past their peak and are um, and they've plateaued and now it looks like they're coming down the mountain. But they have 335,395 confirmed cases and they still have hundreds of people dying every day. So even with their numbers coming down. Still 187 countries out of 197 infected with COVID-19. So 95% of all the countries uh, recognized by the UN. That's where this, this number comes from, being infected. And that comes out to 4,079,388 confirmed cases globally. And as detailed out in episode 48, these confirmed cases are based on somebody getting a test. Hence, we're going to be talking about testing. They got a test. The test was positive, And that means that these numbers are really undercounts of what's truly going on because not everybody's getting tested. Not everybody's going to the hospital. People are dying in their homes. And they're finding out you know, later on they, that they died of complications from COVID-19. You have people going back in time Increasingly, it looks more and more like this whole December, Wuhan, whatever Wuhan scenario you want, that just doesn't seem to, to, to bear out. The facts don't seem to bear out. And unfortunately, the two principles fighting over the narrative of where did this come from for diff completely different reasons, my opinion, don't really want to know the truth. China doesn't want to know the truth because it'll make them look bad because the evidence seems to show more and more that this was around, you know, going back to November, and there's some, the genetic evidence seems to show September. And, of course, they don't want to say, well, gee, this thing was skulking around China in September, and we had no clue, and then when some people saw it, we suppressed them. So it's not in China's interest to let that story, to, to even um, think about that and get on that bandwagon. And equally, the U.S. right now, because they're in a feud for placing blame, that doesn't fit their timeline uh, and, and scenario of trying to blame that it came from Wuhan, but it didn't come from this market, wet market, where they have the wild animal meat, etc. It came from a lab, and not that it was engineered in the lab, that they were studying coronaviruses, which we know it was not a secret that they were studying coronaviruses, because um, they had written that in peer-reviewed papers for all the world to see. And, and um, the U.S. narrative is basically that they were negligent and they let it escape the lab one way or the other. But again, the scientific evidence from the genetic side and people tracing back and these like multiple teams on three continents looking into this stuff, both of those scenarios, wet market, lab, looked like a bunch of hoo-ha. And really, it was, it, it was around in China, evidence looks like, going back to potentially as far back as September, definitely November. And the most likely scenario is, again, bats are like massive incubators for viruses. And bats in this, this bat, we know it came from there. Those bats are native to the southern portion of Hubei province. More than likely, because people are moving around, they're building cities or factories, the bats migrated, they were looking for food, they were on farms, and anyone who knows anything about bats, bats go and they go get their food and everything, and they throw bat droppings and, you know, all over the place. Probably some animals, not exotic ones, but pigs, who knows, whatever, ate contaminated food, a human being or human beings on the farm ate it, somebody became sick, and this is how it got into the human food chain. This is a hypothesis that people who are serious about trying to figure this thing out, not dealing in conspiracy, that's what they're saying more than likely happened. And then that migrated from the southern part of Hubei into Wuhan, and the rest is history. Well, as they always say, the truth will always come out in the end. This is absolutely true. So... Those are the numbers globally, etc. Now, speaking of China, China's out of the top 10 of countries. This is where I will mention countries in top 10. Russia now is number five, which I found kind of interesting because for the longest time they were saying they didn't have anything, and now they've got like a quarter of a million cases, and they're number five. And I talked about a little bit about that last, last week. 
And Brazil, where their president is a huge, big-time COVID denier, I mean, that's just fact, that's not derogatory, just, he just is, they're number eight now. And they have 157,000 cases that we know of because if you think testing is inadequate in the United States, well, Brazil, it's really inadequate. So what, what's the global death count? As of today, 281,313. And in the U.S.? It is 79,058. And again, these are undercounts, and I'm sure by the time I wrote them down, the numbers had changed, but, you know, they haven't reported the new numbers. So if it's now, like, you, like we said earlier, Mother's Day, May 10th, yes. and we are looking at a little over 79 thousand deaths. I'm sure it's 80,000 by now. So what do you think we're going to be at by the end of the month? By, oh, we'll, we'll be past 100,000 by Memorial Day. Memorial Day is the 25th. It's the um, um, fourth Monday, the last Monday of the month of May. We'll, we'll be at 100,000. The pace we're going right now, we'll be at 100,000. And that pace is actually going to quicken. I, I hope I'm wrong, but because of all the opening up, and activity and mobility is one of the major variables for this thing to spread and people are just going hither and yon. The, the pace of, of death, unfortunately, in the U.S. is probably going to go up. So we, we may hit that number sooner. But right now we're around like 2,000 a day, so you can just do the math. So like we said in earlier podcasts, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Sadly, that is that is true. That is true. Ohio, by the way, is, is um, number 15 on the list still. Uh, 24,086 confirmed cases. Um, so we're getting leapfrogged by... We've, we've been number 15 now for three weeks in a row, pretty much. Um, and we're getting leapfrogged by places. Okay, so for those who are listening to this podcast, uh, COVID-19 is not a hoax. So when we say you need to wash your hands, you need to cough into your um, elbow, uh, you need to physically distance yourself from people, meaning the six feet, At least of, six separation, feet. of separation. At least six feet. At least six feet of separation. Uh, what else is it that we can be doing for, as a country... To kind of get this under control. Stop moving around so much. The serious, I mean, the, the, the epidemiologists who looked into this, their mobility is a massive variable to, to this. It's just, you know, people getting in their cars, moving around. You, uh, as, as detailed in 48, we, we in the U.S. never really, people call these things a lockdown, but we didn't do a lockdown. You look at what Spain, Italy, and obviously China was the example I gave last week, but I could give them some other ones. New Zealand, uh, Greece, Greece. You wanna you wanna go to the pharmacy because you gotta get uh, a prescription filled. You have to, you know, ask the government. There, there's an app, and you had to basically. There's like six things where you could leave your house for. One of them was go to the pharmacy to get a prescription. You know, you had to do a doctor for this. And you had to tell the government, this is why I'm really leaving. And they checked up on you. Well, you know that it's not <laughs> going to go over but, well but, in the U.S. And Greece did this because, and, and Greece has a quote-unquote populist president. So you would think he would be COVID dog. But no, he's really, you know, or, or anti-science, whatever. But no. And he did the things, he's doing the things he's doing because Greece is, he, you know, he readily admits they're, their medical system is not very good. Again, and among other things, that yes, is I not going to go over well here. I mean, you got people complaining I, I because they can't go hang out on, on the the beaches. But that's the problem. That's the problem. Other places, even the UK, listen. I mean, Boris Johnson gave an address today, and and they have all sorts of mixed messaging and craziness. But you know, they this is too much movement. Way way too much movement going on, and most of the movement is not necessary and mingling i look at these pictures of what's going on down in georgia and other places it's just nuts it's just nuts to me well if folks hear nothing else um please realize that you as an individual have some control over this so there are things that you can do 
that you need to do if we're going to try to get this under control. Right. The other other thing is hotspots. We know where there are going to be problems. And again, you look at Greece. Greece knew that, um, you know, they don't call them nursing homes, but nursing homes, long-term care facilities, they knew that they were going to be problems. So they targeted those those things and did testing, 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 and a whole bunch of other stuff. We in the U.S., we don't do that. And it's like, oh, gee, there's an outbreak in a prison. Really? Of course there's an outbreak in a prison. You can't physically distance. Um, people aren't wearing, you know, masks. And on and on and on. They're not frequently washing their hands. I mean, really. And then nursing homes. And that's the other thing we did, haven't done in this country and still aren't doing. Some places have just, and it's usually because there's like massive amounts of deaths in these areas. Um, uh, so they start doing things. Ohio. Ohio now, I mean, the, you look at the infection control in the prison. They, they've got literally, folks, doctors are saying to the director of the, um, the Department of Corrections in here, it's like, gee, when you get tired of doing that, do you want to work for our hospital or whatever? Do an infection control because she has put in place you know, a, a really good infection control system in the Ohio-based prisons. But it was after the fact because of what happened in Marion, Ohio. And just Google it if you want to see what happened there because we don't have time in the broadcast to get into it or the podcast to get into it. But um, that's the other thing we're not doing. It's, we're not being proactive. And the reason we're not being proactive because testing in, in the United States is just inadequate. That's my my um, <laughs> still polite word and term for it. All right, well, let's talk a little bit more about testing or lack thereof. Right, and testing for, for you know, COVID-19 is really the key to everything. If you want to reopen your state, your country, your you know, canton in Switzerland, whatever it is, it, testing is the way, and there are different, there are different types of tests. You have the test everybody has is, is heard about, probably the most um, PCR test, and this is not the tech edition, so I'm not going to get into that. Though basically, the tests, they're, they're tests that tell, are you infected? So are you sick? Are you infected? And that's what PCR tests are. They detect the viral load, um, which is, you know, RNA, essentially, which is kind of like... Um, message pieces of DNA. It's not really life per se, but it's like messages that can reprogram things. And that PCR test where they shove the swab up your nose, or now they have some tests where you can spit and some other things, um, they detect the virus. And on average, in, their, in, their, in the United States, I'm only going to talk about testing in the United States because testing is the wild, wild west for this virus. Why it's that way, I'm not really sure. And I, I don't just mean here, but globally. There are all sorts of these PCR tests. On average, most of the ones will give you results in four hours. The problem, though, is you need um, all this infrastructure to make it happen. They run on these complicated, um, expensive machines, the tests, uh, first off. And they come in kits. And the way they work is think, think like inkjet printers or laser jet printers. So you'll have like um, um, printer, you'll have David's printer company and Brenda's printer company. And we both have our own different inkjet printers. We both have our own different cartridges. You know the drill, just, just like in the, the real world. And that's how these test, test machines are. So you have to have, if you have, you know, David's um COVID-19, or you have David's testing machine, you need a COVID-19 test kit that runs on my machine. That's how I sell it. It's not going to be generic. You got to have my test kit and to run the test in the first place. But you also are going to need the swabs, which are, you know, kind of kind of glorified, very long Q-tips, a little bit more to it than that. But you need swabs. The swabs have to be stored in a transfer medium because, so you can get it to the testing place. And then you have all these chemicals, or they call them reagents, to make all this stuff work. And they're very specialized and on and on and on. And that's how all these tests work. And they're not all the same. They have all these different kits. On average, you get four hours um, to get the results back. But because in the beginning, 
they were sending these things off to centralized labs and everybody was sending because there was a built up, pent up demand. They got way, way behind, like, you know, literally weeks to months behind. But those backlogs don't exist now. So those tests really come out um, really in, in four hours. But you got to have all that infrastructure to make that stuff work. But they tell you, are you infected right here and now? There are other tests that tell you, um, were you infected at some point in time? So the ones that you can use are diagnostic tests, the PCR tests and the like, the swabs, stick them up your nose. The other tests are what they call surveillance tests. And they'll tell, gee, in an area, is how, how much COVID is in my area? Um, is there more there than I, than I see? Has it already happened? What's the path of this? You might be able to detect hot spots before they develop because you see things happening around you, especially since you have all these asymptomatic people. Is that an antibody test? Yes, those are the antibody tests that look for an immune response. When you get sick, your body creates antibodies. And that's, that's what these things detect. And there's a lot of, a lot of people, because they want to send, send everybody out to become, you know, not essential workers, but sacrificial workers, and they want to misuse antibody tests and convince you that, oh, give everybody, if you had an antibody test, that means you have immunity so you can go back to work and not fear anything. That is a bunch of hoo-ha. Because we don't understand what immunity means in the context of this virus because it's the quote-unquote novel coronavirus, meaning new. We don't know enough about this. I mean, look what's going on with little kids now. They told you that it wasn't, you know, little kids, nothing was, they might get it, but it was no big deal. Now we're finding, no, they're getting like toxic shock syndrome and all this other stuff, some of them. But there's so much we don't understand about this, and we don't understand immunity. But the point is, with antibodies, it's just like last week we were talking about um, vaccines, and there are multiple types of vaccines. There are multiple types of antibodies. So you have um, immunoglobulin, which are the you know, fancy term, that's what the antibodies are, but they're different types. And it's immunoglobulin, Ig. There's IgM, as in Mary, and those are created, whether you, those are just created the first off the bat when you get sick with anything, kind of, sort of. And then you have IgG, as in girl, and those essentially are longer term. So if you've gotten over something and fought, fought it off, it's created IgG. And the IgG antibodies are the ones that, if you have any kind of really longer-term immunity, you're going to look for those. And then you have IgA, which have to do with the respiratory tract and the digestive tract. And if you're getting antibody tests, the reason why I'm going through this, people are like, David, why we don't care? You should care, because if someone's giving you antibody tests, you need to ask them, what antibodies are you detecting? Are you detecting just IgM? Then that's kind of worthless, because... IgM, um, if, if they know that you had COVID, and more than likely, they know that you had COVID-19. You should have tested positive for a COVID-19 test when you were sick. So you're coming in now, they want to see, gee, do you have antibodies or not? They're going to look, oh, well, you, you got antibodies. If it's IgM antibodies, that that's really, doesn't really tell you a whole lot. Because if you have some form of immunity, whatever immunity means, it's going to be because of IgG because those take longer periods of time to develop. And that's why you want to make sure what kind of antibodies are these people detecting. And you want to make sure they're looking at IgG because if they're looking at IgM, they're wasting your time. And they're wasting everybody's time, personally. Because that, that doesn't tell you anything. Because if they know you're already COVID positive, who cares? So the antibody test is really, at that point, they're looking to you to see had you generated antibodies. But it's got to be antibodies that are worth something but we don't know what that something is. You might be immune for a few months. I mean, the average coronavirus, you're only like the common cold. You catch a cold, you're gonna catch another one next year because the immunity is gonna last at most like a year. There's some cases where it might last two years. One of the common cold viruses that are out, that are out there because they're like four. But um, on average, you're looking like eight to 12 months at most. So that's what people are looking at with this, this novel coronavirus. You, you, you'll hear some people say, oh, it might last, you know, two to three years. That's basing it on a bunch of optimism and 
technical scientific stuff it may not work out that probably won't work out that way per se are there any other kind of tests well there's a new test that is based on um, CRISPR technology and that's CRISPR without the E all caps C-R-I-S-P-R loyal listeners to the podcast know what CRISPR is because we talked about it in our first tech edition episode 10 so and if you're new go back Listen to episode 10, and you'll hear all about CRISPR technology, what that is, and how it will keep bananas from going extinct, and it's a, it's a revolutionary technology. And no, it's not putting lettuce in a colander <laughs> and then swooshing it around and getting all the water out. No, it's gene editing. So basically, it, it does, if you think printing press... So when Gutenberg invented the printing press, there was all this stuff you needed to do to make a book, and it would take a long, long time, but it was faster than having a bunch of monks transcribe something and taking literally years or decades. But printing press with the blocks and all this stuff is complicated. And don't say any more because we talked about this in yes. episode 10. Yes, it's gene editing. So, so go and listen to episode 10 to learn more about CRISPR technology. So... A team of folks at UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, developed a, uh, a test because they were looking to develop a, a quick and easy test, relatively speaking, that would also be very cheap to deploy. Because as I mentioned, most of these machines are very expensive, very uh, specialized. And so CRISPR, based on its gene editing, they programmed it to look specifically for the um, sequence of coronaviruses and then also this particular coronavirus, the spikes. So it is, is very, very, within testing, they talk about two key parameters, sensitivity and specificity. So um, this is a very specific test, meaning it hones in on the coronavirus, it's not going to pick up other coronaviruses. There's seven coronaviruses in total, and you don't want your test to pick up and detect another coronavirus, and you get a, a false positive where, you know, you don't really have COVID-19. It's just you have some other coronavirus. You don't want that. You want it to be very specific, and this test is very specific. And then you want it to be very, very... Um, 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 sensitive and be able to detect what's going on with stuff and with sensitivity the more sensitive a test is the less likely you'll have a false negative meaning it'll miss the fact that you're infected and then as I already mentioned a specific test means that the likelihood of a false positive is very low because it's you won't get mixed up with oh it says you have COVID-19, but no, you have like the common cold, which is the coronavirus. So those are like two key parameters that, again, when you're taking tests, you should ask them, well, what's the false, um, what's the false uh, negative rate specifically? Because you don't want somebody to say, oh, well, you don't have COVID and it's false negative and you really do. And some of those tests that are out there, especially the antibody tests, the antibody tests right now are notoriously um bad for having a high false uh, having a high false negative rate and by high false negative rate I mean anywhere from 15 to 25 percent so 15 to 25 percent of the time they're going to tell somebody that they're not infected when they really are infected and that's a problem and um, I, I mentioned that the PCR tests on average are four hours the Abbott labs has a test where it detects things in um, in five minutes to 15 minutes. If, um, but the problem with that is the way it's being deployed. Um, it has, people, people have already said, the media and Abbott's conceded, that it has a high false negative rate as well. So you want to ask if you're doing these rapid tests, that could be a red flag when they come back and say, oh, well, you're negative. You may really not be negative. And I think this is what happened with the White House because they're using that Abbott Labs you know, quick, um, rapid test. But like everybody else, the rapid test was made to be used just like um, uh, you, you test cultures for strep throat. 
So I, the doctor hears your symptoms and they think you might have strep throat. So they test you right there in their office, boom, turn around, etc. But that's not how people are using this Abbott thing. They're using it like the big lab PCR test. And somewhere in a back room somewhere or down the hall, down the street, they have these machines. So that means they got to put them in a storage medium and all this other stuff. And the test was not designed for that. And that's, Abbott says that's probably why their test is got such wacky, now high false negative rates. Because when they created the test, they didn't have, and you read their literature, it doesn't have that, that number. But it's, the test is being misused, and that's what happens. Well, unlike folks in the White House, it's hard for those in the United States, in some locations, to get tested. I mean, like you said... In most locations in the United States. is the key to getting this... Um, coronavirus, COVID-19, under control. And if they want to reopen and send people back to work, tests. I mean, what's so hard about all this? What's hard about it is we don't have the infrastructure for it. The testing, like, I said this in a podcast, I don't remember, which might have been in 44, which started this series. I said, I've never had a flu test. I didn't even know there was a flu test. Until, until this pandemic. I've never had a flu test. I knew there was a, a strep test, but I've, I've never had it. But I've, I've never had any of these kind of tests. And the way the United States is set up, getting these tests and, and administering to people are few and far between. We do not have a system that was set up for administering you know, tests to millions of people, let alone millions of people a day, which is what we really need to get to. We don't have a system set up for that. Well, and we, that's, we need to get a system. They need to, yes, they need to set that up. The, the burden has been put on the states to try and do whatever, but they're still going to end up rationing those tests. And it's, it's worse than that. There's some folks who, who are experts in, in these areas have pointed out, like Lori Garrett, the author who wrote The Coming, Coming Plague, she said on CNN the other, the other day that it's, it's going to be a fantasy this is her exact quote, and then I'll start paraphrasing. It's a fantasy that employers are going to have, you know, all these tests and be able to test employees every day coming into their establishments and the like. It's just not going to happen that way because, because of the lack of infrastructure. Now, with the CRISPR technology, maybe that, because it uses cheap things, and, and anybody can, can interpret the test. Because it's, it's going to be as simple as like a litmus test or a pregnancy test. You look at the strip... And if the strip has, you know, um, dark bands on it, then, you know, you were infected. I mean, it's that simple. It's very visual. I mean, they thought, thought this thing through. So if they can get FDA approval, which they're going for now, maybe CRISPR will be the breakthrough so that we can have, in the United States, test everywhere. And we could potentially, literally, test tens of millions of people a day. Maybe, but we'll have to see. A lot of ifs there. Well, they better get this testing under control. But it's not just testing. Testing has to be combined with, you, you find somebody, you got to isolate them. Talked about this ad nauseum previously. You can't, you can't just let them go back home. Well, they so better, where do you isolate the people? You gotta, they better get the system Where do you quarantine control? people? We have this honor system, self-quarantine and everything else. And, and to find the people to quarantine, the, those people exposed, you have to contact trace. And... The contact tracing just doesn't scale. If you have some sort of outbreak hotspot, it's just not going to scale. And folks in this country don't really want to, they, they only want to use technology, but they're telling people, quote unquote, voluntary because of all the privacy concerns. They need to find a way to assure people that the government, um, advertisers, and some other folks are not going to get to their data so that we can roll out something that's not, or get more people to, to buy into it voluntarily. But I would say that the honor system just isn't going to cut it. We saw how that worked with the quote-unquote lockdowns. They weren't lockdowns. So, again, testing is inadequate and in the U.S., and I, I really am not optimistic that we're going to set up, even if the technology and, and the like is there to, to do it right, I don't think we have the political will to set up the system to make that happen. And so that just means we're going to be in a world of hurt. Yep, like we said earlier, 
it's going to get worse before it gets better. Listen to This and That on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major podcast apps and services. As we said earlier, the truth will always come out in the end. Don't know who said those wise words, but we're seeing that now in a case that happened in Brunswick, Georgia, back in February earlier this year. And now things are starting to come out about what happened in the case of Ahmad Arbery, a young man who was only 25, and he was murdered on February 23, 2020, by two individuals who happened to be Caucasian, um, just because the man was out jogging, and he was confronted by these individuals, and in the end, he lost his life. Now, why did it take 74 days for this to come out nationwide for people to hear about this? Why did it take 74 days, David? Because there was no video. You know that. Because the um, the Greg, Gregory McMichael, the, the, the two people who were arrested, Gregory McMichael, 64, and his son, Travis McMichael, 34. Gregory McMichael used to be a cop. And then he was an investigator for the, um, I guess, Gluen County District Attorney uh, or Brunswick District Attorney, whichever way it works down there. And um, because of that, they basically took his word for what happened. So, the, is, so this and is a case of blue protecting blue? I Yeah, that's a big, big chunk of it. Yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, blue protecting blue. You have just, you know, um, you know, let's face it, it's it's the South, it's Georgia, South Georgia. So you got the whole racist element of that as well. And trust the black me, guy. Trust me folks, it's there is still a lot of racial elements going on in that part of the world. Right. Because the whole the whole thing, the way this went down and and it really is if people remember the Zimmerman case. This is this is just like Zimmerman, because Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, the, the facts are that George Zimmerman essentially deputized himself to protect, quote-unquote, protect his neighborhood, patrol his neighborhood, looking for um, people up to no good. And, and apparently they had had some break-ins, or at least in his mind, because I don't even remember now how much crime there was in that area or not in that area, but people would cut through, and by people, I'm assuming they mean black folks in Florida, would cut through that neighborhood, and Zimmerman and maybe some others thought they were up to no good. So he was patrolling that area. It had been raining. Trayvon was coming back from the store. He stood under the awning of somebody's house, and Zimmerman was like, that's suspicious, and that's when he just started following Trayvon Martin and, and the like. So he felt that he was entitled, he being Zimmerman, he was entitled and empowered to self-deputize himself and that, you know, somebody walking home while black was suspicious and walking through his neighborhood because it's like, how dare you walk through the neighborhood even though they're public streets, sidewalks, etc. And how and, does that parallel with what happened to Ahmad? Well, we know from uh, the reporters at uh, initially uh, Court TV, and then everybody else kind of piggybacked on this. They, because the initial police report said there had been all these burglaries and everything else in the area, and and that's why this whole thing went down. That's what the police report said. Court TV was like, okay, let's go back and let's really see is that really true. And all they could find were really two police reports in that whole neighborhood for the, the time period in question. And those two police reports came from? Um, Travis McMichael. Who happens to be? Uh, he's one of the people arrested. He's the son. So, um, you know, surprise, surprise. So, yes, surprise, surprise. So there was one thing where he mentioned that his, um, his, his, uh, 
handgun got stolen from his car. No, uh, his, from truck, his truck. His truck. His, his, they don't drive cars in that that's part true. of the world. That's true. His truck's in SUVs. That's true. And that's true for black people, too. In a large part, in that part of the world. So, trucks and SUVs. But it, and, and it wasn't the white pickup truck. I guess the white pickup truck is his dad's truck. Because he has a red pickup truck, according to the police report. And his dad, whatever, was doing something with his car and left the door unlocked. That's what the police report says. And when he went back out there, he noticed that his holster that had, had been you know, on the front seat uh, with his weapon, uh, that the weapon was gone. And then he, there was another report where he mentioned that a um, suspicious character was going through the same, same construction site that Ahmaud Arbery went through, you know, would go through months later. Jogging. Jogging through. But he, but he stopped. We've seen the video. There's video of him stopping and doing whatever. But he did not take anything. He didn't take anything. And as the, GB, the GBI, because people asked, had you seen this, this uh, I guess it's surveillance footage. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. And it's like, there's no crime here. It's like, he didn't, he didn't, he's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> he's looking at a construction site, you know, curious about it, looking whatever. He's like, nothing to see here. So anyway, um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. There was a, a, a quote-unquote suspicious character, meaning a black guy, um, and I've seen this video, you and I have seen this video too, where... No, you've seen these videos. I, I choose not to look at them. I thought them. you looked at this one. No, I only listen. Oh, okay. I choose not to look. But it's but the guy in question is, is described as a black male. Um, I don't remember if they've said, put an age range. But the height range was between five and six feet tall, which is a big range, but, you know, it's camera. Um, light skin, light complexion, which he he is, and... Um, no, he may be on the video, but Ahmad is not. No, I'm talking about the person in the video. Okay. The person in the description is going through suspicious. This is before Ahmad even came into the picture. The person there, to, so that we're not confusing people, black male... Went through this area, was caught on on video. Now, granted, this black male, and I've seen the footage, he's not doing anything wrong either. He's going through. Um, he's light-skinned black male guy, slender build, between five and six feet tall because there's no kind of reference points in in the video, per se. So you just kind of guess in there. Lots of tattoos. He has tattoos on both arms, very visible in there. And he's got um, twists. In his head. It's either locks or twists. Can't really tell. Um, now, that's the person that fast forward to the February incident where Travis McMichael sees Ahmad jogging through and stopping at that um, um, the same area. And he's like, it's the same guy. Now, folks, you've probably seen the pictures of Ahmad Arbery. And he does not fit the description of the police report or on, the video that goes with the police report. Come on, David. Doesn't you know that all black folks <laughs> look like? Not the same complexion. You, you have not heard, the same build. You have heard people say not black the same folks hair color. Ahmad has like maybe one tattoo on his right bicep that you see in some photos like one tattoo the guy in the video is tatted up all over his arms it's like no comparison no the comparison is they're both black males. they're black men i know i know they're both black all males. black folks look alike i mean they're even black females that <laughs> just stop but anyway um so travis is like um, he calls 911, and there's a 911 call that's, that we're not going to play here because it's a, I would say half of it is unintelligible. And you can find, just Google it, you can find it. The key point of the call is the 911 dispatcher asked at least three times, as I count, asked Travis, well, what's he doing? You know, what, what, what is he doing wrong? What's the crime? Whatever, you know, that type of, he doesn't say what's the crime, but you get the point. And he never gave an answer. He doesn't give an answer because he's not doing anything. He just went through there. And see, this is, this is just like Zimmerman because in the Zimmerman case, 
Remember, Zimmerman, when when there were these break-ins, whatever, in their neighborhood, he had called 911, and in his mind, the police didn't act fast enough, and the person got away. And that's when he self-deputized himself and started patrolling, and the rest um, unfortunately played out. This Travis guy, the same thing is going through his mind. He's like, just come, it's a, it's a black guy. He's going through there. He's obviously up to no good, and the other person was a black guy. So he gets his dad, and they mount up a posse, um, or, you know, it's more like the slave, you know, the slave patrols. And if in the video, they literally box him in and hunt, hunt down uh, um, Ahmaud Arbery. Now, the only thing I will say in their defense is, I'm pretty sure they didn't intend, their intent wasn't to go murder him. Because otherwise they would have just done I'm, it. I'm not with. going to say that. <coughs> there, what, there were easier ways to do it. What, what I will say was. is the truth will always come and out they felt, in the end. They, they felt entitled. They, they were going like, you know, what you doing, boy? What are you doing here? We know, whatever. Or they were just going to try and detain him till the cops got there for whatever crazy reason. But if they really wanted to shoot and kill him, they would have done it. They, they would have done it already elsewhere. There were ways they could have done it and basically say he was fleeing the scene or whatever. Um, now, the person who actually um, recorded um, and through their lawyer, that's how we see the tape, that, that person through their lawyer is essentially saying he had nothing to do with the other two folks, but there, there, was, a fa there was a Facebook page for the neighborhood. And apparently, you know, Travis has been share and, and he may not be the only one but they've been you know agitating around people going through and causing all this crime although there are only the two reports both from travis mcmichael there are no other reports from this neighborhood that have been filed with the police so um this guy says he saw a black guy running assumed there was some kind of crime going on you see a black guy jogging running he was his description so he just assumed that there was a crime taking place and he wanted to he says he got his cell phone camera uh cell phone to record because he wanted to record what the 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 um, ahmad looked like in case he got away that is his story it makes no sense on a lot of grounds if you've seen the video but that's the story sticking to it i will say again the truth will always come out in the end. Well, the, I, I, I'm pretty sure that the, the, the person who recorded it, that's not the real story. Because if it was, either they showed really huge callous disregard for what was happening. Because you can see the McMichaels with their shotguns boxing the person. He doesn't try and warn the person, even if you think they're a criminal. What are you going to, it doesn't try and warn them. When they shoot, none of the three shots do you hear this person say, you know, oh my God, or whatever. He, he, you don't hear anything. And he just keeps rolling. He doesn't even flinch because you would see the cell, the cell phone flinch. doesn't even flinch. I will when, say again. When the video, when, when the shots are being done. I will all. say again. Very calm. The truth will always come out in the I, end. I think you're right on that one. And... I think the other thing that's going to come out is because the father that's involved in all this is a, um, or used to be, an investigator for the police. Now, if this goes to trial... Well, no, 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 no. He was an investigator for the district attorney. He used okay. to be a police officer. But he was an investigator nonetheless. Yes. In the end, if this all comes to trial and they are found guilty... How many of the cases where he was an investigator are they going to go back and look at? Well, even if he's not found because guilty, they need to go there back. There is a possibility that he could have planted evidence. Well, they need to, they need to go back. They, they need to go back and, and look at a whole bunch of cases. I, I agree with you on that one. And this thing is so messed up anyway because the original district attorney... Um, recused herself because of the, the links between um, the, the father and law enforcement and, the, and her office, the DA's office, whether she was DA when he was used or not. Um, another district attorney 
um, came in, and that district attorney was from um, uh, what's the Waycross? Waycross, and Waycross, Georgia. Right, and it took him about two months to figure out he had a conflict. <laughs> Isn't that what what his statement says? All I can say is, again, the truth will come out in the end. And and he says he had in, in the Waycross district attorney said he has a con uh, has a uh, conflict, but in that letter basically he says, eh, there's nothing to see here. They they didn't. There's no crime here. The whole point of recusing yourself is so you don't taint the investigation, the jury pool, or anything else. And that letter taints everything. Apparently, that is not <laughs> what he learned. In police academy. Or law school or whatever. But, um, the, and then the new, they went all the way to Liberty. Liberty County. Right. Which, if you look on the map, is nowhere near Glynn County, which is where Brunswick is. Um, so there were some other counties in between. <laughs> and I'm sure they all said thanks, but no thanks. And the Liberty DA took the case, but he immediately called in the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, the GBI. So he did the Pontius Pilate. He's like, he washed his hands of it and threw it back, you know, threw it, threw it back, or in this case, threw it up. And within 36 hours, um, as you all probably have heard, 36 hours of, of, of investigation is all it took for the GBI to find probable cause. To but arrest it took the everybody else 74 days. Because it's just probable cause, which is a low threshold. But yet it took everybody happy. else 74 days to come out to, oh, there's nothing going on here. Everything is all right with the world. Like I said, it was a cover-up. I mean, the, the only difference between this and George Zimmerman is there's there's a video. If there had been a video in the Zimmerman case, then that, that would have gone a different way. But because there's no video... Uh, unfortunately, um, he he got off. Well, we will see where this goes because you know, court TV is going to cover it, and you know, I'm going to be watching. Yes, I know you will be watching, along with probably millions of others. Comments? Send your feedback to this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Looks like episode 49 is done. Yes, it's time to upload episode 49 to the cloud. And while you are uploading, I'm going to say thank you to all who listened to this edition of This and That with David and Brenda. And this is episode number 49, so you know what's next. Our golden podcast... That's right, episode 50, a.k.a. the Golden Podcast, uh, because it's episode 50, 50th wedding anniversary is a golden anniversary, so that's where we get Golden Podcasts. And we want you all to participate. You can drop us a note in the comment section of any of the um, podcast locations, streaming service locations, you can also send us email, which uh, we actually would prefer you do. Send email to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com, letting us know what uh, you like most about the show, as well as letting us know what your favorite moments of uh, This and That with David and Brenda over the last, this point, 49 episodes has been. We love to hear from This and That Nation, and so... Please let us hear from you because it's not every day that people reach 50 episodes of a podcast in such a short time. That's right. Again, we would love your participation. Drop us a note and uh, who knows? You may uh, have your note uh, read during the podcast episode. Right. So until then, we're going to say all the best. Stay woke. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. 
music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.